0: really amazing to be um, able to share my story and hope that it can give light to somebody else so I mean again every time I read that and I see that I think of Annabelle and I think that's the why behind it you know she was born to impact lives and she's been gone almost seven years but two weeks ago she had an impact on a life of someone.
1: It always seems impossible until it is done. And this is by Nelson Mandela. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Podcast with Sheila. With me today is Dalla's wife and mother who built her career in sports and high school admissions, but found her greatest victory in loss, Trisha Ruse. Trisha carried to full term a child she was warned by medical experts will die at birth or before. She'll be sharing with us a journey to meeting and loving her daughter, Annabelle Rose. Hello, Tricia, and welcome to Podcast with Sheila.
0: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: It's a pleasure to host you today. Do you have a favorite quote you would like to share with us today?
0: I have lots of great quotes, um, but today I think um, my reading for the day was a scripture verse that I really, really relate to and enjoy, and um, it's in Proverbs three five it says trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight and I feel like for me I I sometimes it's not that I don't trust in the Lord but I sometimes doubt that um, things are going to be okay or that things will work out and I get a little anxious or stressed and so I think that's a nice reminder today.
1: is a very powerful one you know the thing you said about trusting a lot sometimes it's not that you don't trust because as human beings as we are I think I found myself at that point on many occasions and sometimes well I I pray a lot so I can say that I think I have I know that I have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit so most of the things that happen to my life in my life I can say 90 percent of them I get revelations about them before they happen And sometimes when I see the revelations, I see them through dreams. Most of the time, I used to see them through dreams. Recently, I think I hear it's spoken into my spirit. And at first, I couldn't pick the one with the spirit. For the one with the dreams, I'm very smart with it because I started dreaming long ago as I was a child. So I'm used to it. And I know those ones that when I dream, I know they're actually going to happen. But the ones that is spoken into my spirit, I'm beginning to grow into that so sometimes it's difficult for me to pick up is that what he's telling me and all that, and all that and sometimes I doubt I say that if he's telling me this why do I still have to live through it you get it like I remember one of my revelations I felt I was going very sick very very sick to the point of death and it actually happened so then I ask myself so why did he show it to me because he's a god of all things And he can do everything. So why would he show it to me and still have to let me go through it? Why didn't he take the sickness away, but allow me to go through it to the point of death? And it's only after you've gone through, for me, like my experience, it's only after you've gone through it that you get to understand and appreciate the reason why you had to go through it. I I can relate to that on so many different levels
0: because I too, I actually wrote about that in my book. That I had a really powerful dream um, that gave me some insight as to, you know, what would happen with my daughter, who I was pregnant with, who I was told would die. And um, and I agree with you. I don't necessarily think that I've known things in advance, but I have had dreams like that where I feel like God is telling me something. And and I also understand what you're saying about the Holy Spirit. I think that sometimes you just know that a certain path is the right path or a decision is the right decision. And you just know in your heart where that's coming from and you have no other explanation for it.
1: Yeah, well, before we go into this deeper, let's start from the top with your story. So what's the story for today about your daughter? Tell us everything that happened, how it happened and how the journey has been so far.
0: So I had a three-year-old little boy in 2014, and life was great. Um, It was kind of nice just having one child. And he came home from daycare one day asking for a lady baby, which in his translation was a baby girl. And I think he was starting to get old enough to observe that his friends were starting to get siblings. And one of his really good friends named TJ got a cute little baby girl, and he realized that he wanted one, too. Um, So that started the conversation with my husband and I to have another child, and we were pregnant a few months later. At the 12-week visit, everything was tracking well, and it looked great, and our doctor just casually mentioned that we could do a blood test to find out the gender of our child, and so we decided to do that, and without thinking much of it, we went on with our lives, and about a week and a half later, we received a call from our doctor to tell us that our baby was a girl and we were getting our lady baby, but also that she had trisomy 18, which in most medical literature is defined as incompatible with life. And um, it turns out that she had a two-chamber heart instead of four chambers in her heart. And um, much like other um, children with disabilities, um, she would be disabled physically, and um, they did not think that we would even make it full term to the pregnancy. They predicted that she would die prior to me going full term. And actually, a specialist that we saw recommended an abortion, and our heads were just swimming at that point. Um, We were extremely overwhelmed. All of this happened within a 24-hour period of us finding out and confirming the diagnosis. And so my husband and I just stayed home for a few days and cried and prayed and just didn't know what was really going to happen with our daughter. And We made the decision to continue with the pregnancy because we wanted God to write her story and not us. And in the midst of all of that, I was actually a high school volleyball coach and volleyball season was about to start about a week later. And so we made the decision to just send out a big email communication with family and friends and coworkers and the volleyball team to let them know what was going on with our pregnancy just to have their prayers and support. And also, so I didn't have to tell the story a thousand times a day. And uh, in the next few months, we had this overwhelming support system and community. My volleyball team won a state championship in honor of my daughter, which was really humbling. And then she was actually born alive on December 29th, 2014, to the surprise of all the doctors and nurses because they didn't anticipate that that would happen. So Annabelle lived six days. Every breath was a miracle because they really did not think it was possible for her to live more than a few minutes or hours because of her heart condition. And we just loved her to the best of our ability and provided what comfort that we could. Um, I never felt like she was in any pain. She was super pleasant and happy. And she basically lived on my chest for about 150 hours of her life. And um, she was introduced to my husband and my um, three-year-old and to all of our family and friends. And we believe that her life had tremendous value, even though she only lived six days. And that was God's purpose for her life. And, you know, as I've reflected on those um, days now, seven years later, I still believe that God's purpose for her was that short time on earth to teach the principle that every life really matters. And so it's been a tremendous blessing on our family, despite the pain that we had to go through for it.
1: You talk about pain. And I think before we started recording, I told you that your story, your story is quite relatable and you talk about pain. Share with us how you had dealt with this pain on this journey.
0: Well, I think that, um, Pain is something that, you know, you're not supposed to deal with all the time. And there's an actual Jesus Calling, you know, the book Jesus Calling, there's a devotional that talks about how God purposely divided days and nights so that we have time to rest and refresh our bodies for the next day. And I think that what I attempted to do was to create distractions for myself to be in pain less. And sometimes that has advantages and sometimes it has disadvantages. I think that I probably, um, maybe I created too many distractions and I was coaching, I was working, I was keeping myself super busy so that the time that I had to cry or reflect or think about the community can really help ease the burden and ease the pain so that you don't feel like you're going through it alone. And for us, that really helped it really helped to have family and friends and church um, and coworkers to be there for us. And, um, you know, I was interviewed by a newspaper locally and they quoted me as saying, I believe that there's purpose in my pain. And it also helped to ease the pain to believe that God had a bigger purpose for Annabelle and whether that meant bringing others closer to him um, and me being a resource for others going through similar situations whatever that purpose is I believe that it is there to help ease my pain to know that I can be a help to others so it was painful but I do think that um, you know with community and with prayer and people around you you can help
1: ease that burden so you don't feel alone. I said I lost a child. And I think I had revelation that I was going to lose a child. I think I had this revelation at week 30, if I'm right. And at that time, I was in bed. I just woke up of bed. And I told my husband, I just had a revelation that we had lost the baby. And he said, no, you're not going to lose the baby because this baby was a perfect baby. I'd I'd been pregnant before. And that pregnancy was a difficult one. But I had a child. And this pregnancy was a smooth one. There was, it wasn't difficult at all. So there was nothing to tell that we're never going to have that child. So I told him, and he said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And we prayed about it. To think that we've prayed about it enough and it was sorted, but the dream still happened. Sometimes you tend to ask yourself, why do, because the Bible says that he reveals to redeem. So if he's revealed it for me, that is what I think, that if he's revealed it to me, it's for me to pray about it. So he redeems, you know, but why did it still happen? And sometimes you can never bring yourself to accept what happens. And I, as I grew through it, to date, when I talk about it, I get very emotional. I can't tell you that I've healed 100% from that loss. I have not. I'll be, I'll be telling a lie if I say that. I have not. But I see that I deal with it better as I grow than it was earlier. Because earlier I would not be able to talk about it without you see tears and tears running down my face, and we will probably not have even have this interview. But I'm able to talk about it today, uh, with dried eyes. Even though there are few emotions in my throat, you no, know, I, I know it's there, but I, I can control it. And I think that God probably took me through this to build me up, in that sense, to prepare me for some reason for some greater, because. When I dealt with my pain, I was alone. Because I have most of my family back home. And I live here. And the unfortunate thing is, when that happened, my husband was on a, a work trip. So he wasn't here. And he couldn't come immediately. Because he was in the US when I was in the UK. He couldn't come immediately. So I had to deal with the pain alone. And that was difficult. And some way, somehow, I think I found consolence with the Bible and the Holy Spirit. So I'll mm-hmm. say it was at that point of my life that I drew closer to God. That was when I had more from the Holy Spirit because I think I was in communication with the Holy Spirit and God a lot. So my relationship grew. Those were some of the great moments I can never forget. And I'll say it was a gift my son left with me to be closer to God. And for that reason, like I said, about 90% of everything that happens in my life, I get to see it before it happens. So most of the things I've been able to pray myself out of them. Some of them that I, I go through, I think God just wants me to go through to shape me and to make me stronger and better for a cause, I think. But, but I would say that, um, Tricia, you're a strong woman, because having to write your book I wanted to ask you, how did it feel? Because writing your book is like reliving the whole situation, the whole story. What what were the emotions behind it as you wrote the book? How did it feel? How long did it take?
0: So Annabelle died in January of 2015. And I was pregnant again six months later with another baby. And that was extremely stressful because I knew now that things could happen bad in pregnancy. And it, I think that I wanted to start writing and that God asked me to start writing a book. And I knew that probably in 2017. But when I started writing, it was too emotional, kind of like what you said. I wasn't able to speak about it or write about it without having the feelings all rush back to me. Yeah. And then I felt like, you know, I had my husband and my other children that I needed to focus on. And if I was a mess, because I had just written and I couldn't come out of it. That was not fair to them. And so I bookshelved that and said, okay, it's not time yet. Um, kind of like you, maybe I got some kind of revelation, but I wasn't ready. Maybe that wasn't the appropriate timing. And it was in November of 2019, it came back again. And I remember kind of wondering to myself, am I ready for this? Because now at that point in time, it had been five years And I had kind of this vision, I'm supposed to write this book in 2020. And so actually within like a day of me saying that, thinking that that coming to me, I was on Facebook and I saw an ad and the ad said, ever wanted to write your novel or write a book? And I'm like, well, there it is, right? Um, Because I really don't know how to write a book and it would be helpful to have um, some kind of instructional video. And so when I clicked on the ad, I noticed that the person teaching the course was one of my best friend's sisters. So I called her and then ended up taking the course. And then after I was done writing, I was stuck again. I knew that I needed to edit the book, and that was extremely overwhelming. And when I closed my laptop in January of this year and said, God, I don't think I can do it, um, an email came through from a woman that I worked with that I rarely talked to, that out of the blue, two minutes later, emailed me and said she was thinking about me and my story with my daughter, Annabelle, and how much it meant to her. So I knew that was God again saying, you've got to pick up and finish this and make this happen. But within another week, I had um, a friend introduce me to her editor, who ended up being the perfect fit. So I think that as I was writing, anytime I was discouraged or frustrated, or it got difficult, I felt like God was telling me to do it, and yes, this will be hard, but I'm going to help make this happen for you. And I do remember that when I was writing five years later after her passing versus two or three years later, um, it was easier for me to write and be totally in the writing but also disconnect and go back to my family and my job and not be as affected as I was years earlier And now I feel like when I discuss the story and talk about her, you know, it's even easier than it was two years ago. One of my biggest fears when I put this in writing was that someone would read it, that it would be out in the world. And now everybody knows how vulnerable I was, um, that I was angry at God sometimes, that I um, kind of lost myself and my faith wandered. And it's really hard to admit that and admit the real things going on in your heart and in your brain. Because I know on the outside, I think I presented myself pretty put together and I presented myself that I was doing okay and that everything was fine when realistically at night I was in tears in the morning driving to work, I was in tears and it was really hard to be that honest and vulnerable And then the other hard thing was that about two years ago, both my husband and I had a bit of a relapse in our emotions and our grief. And I'm not sure why it happened, but it did. And it was really hard to admit to people that I was struggling with the loss of my daughter when that had happened five years earlier. You feel like people might judge you and say, you should be over it. Why are you still upset? And so I'm sure as you've gotten farther along in time, even though you're not healed, I don't know if this happened for you, but I almost feel a little strange being honest with people about how I felt. And some days I just couldn't get out of bed. I remember one day in particular, it was around the anniversary of her death, which is always a really hard time for me. I mean, it's five years later and I can't go to work because I'm kind of in pieces about it. And I remember texting my boss and I really didn't want anyone else to know I kind of faked that I was sick and and then I was there the next day. And so I don't know why I did that and I don't know why others do that, but I hope that now that I'm able to share that story and be more you know, vulnerable, it can connect with someone else and they can realize it's okay to have grief years after a loss and it's okay to have bad days and to admit maybe that you're in a bad place and seek counseling or medication or
1: whatever it is that you need to get through that time you know that sometimes when you're going through a loss people deal with loss of different kind of loss job loss and all that but a loss of a child that's a big thing and sometimes you're offered counseling and all of that and for me i said i didn't need it me too yeah I told told them I didn't need it. They insisted and I told them I didn't need it because at that time, I thought I could deal with it easily. But as I came home and, you know, the many places that I had been, when in the morning I wake up and see myself and the things you had in preparation for the baby, when you see all of that, then it hits you once again and all of that. It's a difficult journey. And I think that the best for me, I think that the best way to heal is to give yourself time. Because sometimes, yeah, when you force yourself to heal quickly, I think that you, it's like a bounce back. I don't know, because you, you try to heal quickly and then you never really get to heal because it's a process and it may take years. For me, it's taking years to even be able to talk about, I think recently this year, I had an interview and somebody had asked me about it and I broke up in tears, not too long ago, about three months ago, four months ago. You know, I broke up in tears. I used to celebrate like you every year on the 7th of July, I will celebrate him. Mm. And this part of the world, when he died, it gave me things to remember him. So I still have all of those. So when I see them, the memory still comes back. I think recently I was speaking to somebody in my group and the lady also had lost a child. And she said she comes from Zimbabwe and she was saying back home in Africa, when you grieve, like you are saying, like when you grieve too much, people think it's a bit strange. And even they don't see it, the baby as a baby, they call it it. You should be over it by now. They call it because they don't expect you to put so much value on it and then grieve, 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 grieve. So it makes it strange when you do that. So you can't do it openly. And I think when you can't do it openly and freely as you want to grieve, it also makes it longer for you to heal. People around you should be able to allow you, understand you, allow you to grieve. I remember at the time my husband said, it's enough. You know you've done it. You've done it enough. And you should know that you are not the only one who lost a child. And as you keep doing it, it affects all of us, so you should stop. But I think that people around you should understand because you are the one going through it. Well, they are in the family, they know it, but you carry the baby, you know. it's. it's I think it's, you feel it more than they, so they should allow you to grieve as long as it takes. Even if it will take 10 years, they should allow you with time, you know, you'll be able to come out of it. It looks like lately a lot of women have gone through one loss or the other regarding childbirth. And people are going through a lot. And I'm, I'm multiple times I've spoken to women and they've gone through this. I don't know what's causing that, but it looks like women are going through a lot with regards to this and they are grieving a lot. I believe this podcast will make them kind of relate with us their story and know that they are not alone. And it is, I think it's good to grieve. Just allow yourself to go through it if you ask me. And then, yeah, you'll be able to deal with it in the end. So what were some of the memorable moments on this journey that you can never forget? Well,
0: one of the most memorable during pregnancy was the fact that I had these teenage girls that I was coaching that really um, put aside their differences and their drama or situations going on in their lives and committed that when they came to practice, that would be a happy place. And that would be a place where I could forget about what was going on for a small period of time and be fun and relaxing for me. And that's hard with teenagers. It's hard for them to you know, be selfless like that because they do have so much going on in their lives. And what's interesting about that is when they showed those character traits of being selfless and loving and caring about others. They won. I mean, we won all of our district matches. We won the state championship. No one could beat us. And it was, and I remember thinking after that state all happening and it coming together. And it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming the emotion and just the fact that they did that for us and for my daughter. And in in the U S when you get a state championship that's a really big deal. And you get a big ring. And so in the ring, um, we have engraved Annabelle's army. So it was like her, you know, crew. Um, And then really the most memorable was just holding her, like having her in my arms and having the opportunity to introduce her to my son. And he has these great stories that he tells people about her and um, getting to hold her and um, talk to her. And, and just getting all of our family to, to meet her. And although it was incredibly difficult to say goodbye when we did, and it was such a short life, um, we felt really lucky that we got to spend time with her because we weren't at all guaranteed that we were told that it would be extremely unlikely for her to be born alive. Um, But I think those would be the two things that stuck out um, as really memorable experiences because it was uh, others being there for us and rallying around us and you know doing it for our daughter
1: do you think that this situation has shaped your life in any particular way positively absolutely
0: i um i see it in a couple different ways i now realized what a miracle childbirth is and having a healthy baby is and so the fact that I, I do have two children now, a 10-year-old and a five-year-old on earth that are healthy and um, doing really well in school. And the other thing is like just seeing their love for each other, especially my son, how he cares for his little sister. I know that he really respects the life that he has with her because he knows that he lost a sister and I think for uh, me personally, I've learned a lot about myself, um, and and part of it is learning what I did wrong, maybe you could say, and and what I've done right. So just like you said, early on, I did not want to d- see a therapist. I felt like I had this community of supporters. I had faith. I was doing everything I could to find purpose in her life, and when I kind of had this relapse at five years, um, after her, her death, which was two years ago, something was just different about it. Um, I needed, I needed to see a therapist because there was too many things I didn't understand and that I was struggling with. And I will say, I ended up at a therapist through a friend's church and she specialized in therapy with Uh, grieving a child. And some of the things that she walked me through, and some of the things she explained, I had never even thought of it in the way that she explained it. And it was extremely helpful for me personally. And my husband also saw a therapist for a while. And I think that was just a little bit of like a jumpstart that I needed in that moment because I was really kind of finding myself in a dark place with anxiety and having some panic attacks. There was just an emotional response to the grief that I had not experienced before. And then exactly like you said, like in Africa, I just felt like it was not something I could discuss with a lot of people because I felt like I would be judged that I should be over it. Yeah. And I, I always had who I was at work and who I was as a coach. And I'm not the kind of person that wants to get my personal life like too involved in my work life. And I felt like if I wasn't having a good day, the answer was stay at home because other people don't need to see that or hide it until later, you know? And, and I, don't, I know that wasn't necessarily the right response. I think that a lot of people that know me well were a little bit surprised by some of what I wrote in the book because they just didn't know how much more was going on behind the scenes and in my emotional life. And it, it was kind of a mess sometimes, to be honest with you. And it has been like that occasionally, you know, over the last seven years. But I finally felt like as I was being vulnerable and putting it in writing, I got a lot of encouragement from my editor when I really wanted to take something out because when she was reading out loud, I was like, no, I can't be that honest. I can't do it. Um, She gently encouraged me to keep certain things in and not remove them, because she said that's what people need to hear. You don't need to take out those parts of the book. So it's been a process, and I think that writing was extremely therapeutic and helpful for me, and it kind of made me reflect even more on what I went through and of the experiences i've had over the last couple years and maybe why i had a certain response to those things and so i think i've i've learned a lot and i've changed a lot as a person
1: does it feel i don't know if i'm going to put it right writing a book does it take a lot of bedding off your chest because it's like now you're taking the story out of within you and it's in a book now So the bedding is lighter inside of you. I don't know if it makes sense, but as you were talking, that was what I picked up that because it makes sense when you are able to tell your whole story in a book and to you, you feel, okay, this is why I'm keeping it now. And it's safer here. So at least I can breathe a little bit. I don't know if I make sense. Is that a feeling?
0: Yeah, no, that is, that is a feeling because It makes you feel less alone and less isolated if you let more people in. And there was very few people that I let in that I was completely honest with, with my emotions and what I was going through during the pregnancy, after the loss, and then kind of the aftermath in the last few years. And when I started allowing myself to write about those things and be honest, And then, especially like you said, when it got out in the world and now a complete stranger can pick it up and read it, I'm finding myself able to talk more honestly about those things. I've also found myself more able to talk to more closer friends about emotions and like things that I'm going through. And I haven't opened up my circle, you know, a tremendous amount. Um, But I have some really, really good friends that have walked me through some really, really difficult times just in the last year. I mean, the the last year with the pandemic and some things that were going on with my job, they were almost as hard or harder than it was going through a child loss because it was a different kind of loss and a different um, kind of grief. And I definitely feel like I opened up myself more to some closer friends than I did when I was pregnant with Annabelle. Um, My husband knew how I was feeling and, and how things were going internally and was extremely concerned and worried about me. Um, But I think that I put on more of a front and a facade because I felt like that's what I needed to do to make it feel better. And, um, and, you know, again, I've learned more in the last year about um, myself and what I stand for and who I am. And what makes me happy? I think that's really important also is that when you're in a bad place, you have to seek out and find what makes you happy. And for me, it is friendship and social interaction, particularly with other women. So I have to make time to talk with my friends or to get dinner with them or something like that, lunch with them so that I can feel like that that space filled you know that I have for social interaction it's also working out and um, since I'm now independent working on my own and used to be in office with people I've found tennis to be kind of like one of my lifelines because it's social interaction and it's fun and it's working out so it checks a lot of boxes and I can go play in the morning and then get on with my day but I had to learn more about myself to find those opportunities And to say, okay, Trisha, what's going to make you happy? And how can you avoid the things that are stressful and that cause anxiety? And um, when you're raising kids and working and trying to make a living, and when your life is really busy, you have to figure out and make time for the things that um, make you happy. And if you don't, it's just going to be worse. And that's never good for anybody.
1: How many pages has this book got your book?
0: It's uh, 154 pages. And, um, you know, honestly, I, when I, when I started with my editor, it was 65,000 words and we carved it down to 40,000 words. And, you know, I think in this day and age, especially with women, we, there's so much going on and I personally don't have a lot of time to read long books. And so when we carved it down and made it short enough, most people tell me they read it in like one or two sittings because number one, they're, they love it and they, it's engaging. But also one thing that was really wise of my editor, she said, you don't have to tell people how you felt, they will feel it. So sometimes less is more. And so I think I spent a lot of time in those extra 25,000 words you know, being too verbose or, or saying so much about how things made me feel when you want to allow your reader to feel for themselves. And you can understand things without saying words, right? I mean, you can understand what it would be like if someone tells you to abort your pregnancy or if you find out your baby is likely going to die. Um, you can imagine there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in that. So um, I like the fact that it's not too long because I really believe that it's something that over a weekend or when you do have time, it's a quick read. But I think the impact and the idea. So, you know, the book title is When Wishes Change. And I felt very called to write something that was more than just my story. You know, my story is everybody's story. We've all been in a place where we had a wish or a dream for something. And this is exactly how we saw it going, how we knew it was going to turn out or how we wanted it to turn out and then for whatever reason you know God flips it on its head and it goes exactly the opposite way you thought it would whether that's a career change or who you are going to marry or how it worked out with you know your children or decisions that your children make um and things that happen and um You know, I think with the pandemic and everything that's changed in the last few years, it's even more relevant Mm -hmm. to hear that there can be hope in the light of tragedy and that giant opportunity can come out of bad things in our lives. And And it's all about how you respond to that. And, you know, I've grieved and I've had kind of relapses in my grief with my daughter um, the same thing happened when I left my job a few months ago. It's a grieving process, and there's anger and bitterness, and there's and look up and brush yourself off, and and be open to the new opportunities that God may be presenting in front of you yeah. when yeah. something changes, because you may miss that, yeah. and um, I think that's the bigger message of the story, yeah. is that God is good all the time, and that there can be
1: good things that come out of bad things in our lives. Is that what explains the phrase you said, there's victory in loss?
0: Yeah, I mean, I found that even though I lost a daughter, I grew in my faith. I think I have helped others, you know, with their faith journey as well as their lost journey, and I have another child now who is, you know, the typical rainbow baby was just full of life. And I've watched my son grow in his faith and his understanding of eternity. And so I, I have to find those victories. And I can't see this as a lot as chalked up as a loss in my life, because God put purpose into it. And I, it's my job to see it and to find it. You know, you still have to go through a, a personal transformational journey when you're trying to go through a tragedy and find out why it happened. Um, but God gives you those opportunities. You just have to be open to seeing it and open to looking around you to find the good.
1: When you read your reviews on Amazon or wherever your book is? How do you feel when people write that uh, where your, like your story was relatable and is giving them hope and it's touching their lives? How do you feel when you read such responses or reviews?
0: I think it continues to bring purpose to the pain. So I I know on Amazon, I mean, I I don't know a lot of those people and, you know, for whoever referred them to the book or wherever they purchased the book and were compelled enough to write a review. I mean, that means so much. I mean, Amazon reviews for anyone that's ever written a book or even bought a product are really, really important for Amazon um, to promote your book or whatever, or for others to buy it because you're not going to buy something that has bad reviews. Um, But it ends up every single time I read something like that, every time I share my story in front of an audience and I have a line of people, you know, wanting to talk to me or ask me questions, I continue to find purpose in my pain. And um, I was speaking at a college uh, two weeks ago and a girl came up to me afterwards and said she just found out her mom uh, had cancer and she was really struggling with her faith and she asked some advice of, what advice I could give her to help her with her faith, because she can't understand why her mom would have cancer and why God would do that. And number one, just to be asked advice on someone's faith is like a very humbling question. Right. Um, but it also means that even though my story was about losing a child, you know, a 20 year old from a college could hundred percent relate in a different way to the struggle that she was having with her mother and being angry and bitter towards God and trying to find a path to happiness and joy and peace within her faith. And, um, I have had many people tell me stories similar to that. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to connect with other people in their grief and their loss. Um, and it's really, amazing to be um, able to share my story and hope that it can give light to somebody else. So, I mean, again, every time I read that and I see that, I think of Annabelle and I think that's the why behind it. You know, she was born to impact lives and she's been gone almost seven years, but two weeks ago she had an impact on a life of someone that was a complete stranger to me. So, you know, that's part of my mission is, you know, getting that book out in the world to share with others, and also do public speaking to to share my story and connect with others, because I know that there's a lot of people going through hard times right now, and
1: you know, I feel like it is a relatable story. That's really true, and personally, I have been able to relate with it. I've I've sat here and I've relived my experience, but I think that I'm beginning to. I have. I, I think I've come to terms with it, but I'm beginning to. Come to terms with it better because I'm speaking with somebody who's also gone through the same experience. And I think it makes it easier and it makes it lighter. And I'm also beginning to see that if she's been able to come out of it to the extent that she's using her experience to be a blessing onto people, then it's a good thing. And this makes it a bit lighter. And I believe that most of our audience or the people who have the chance to listen to this podcast who are grieving or going through some loss also be able to relate with everything we've shared today and for some reason come out of the pain they are experiencing now and know that it's a matter of time don't beat yourself to it or don't allow the pain to overwhelm you i think that sometimes you also allow the pain to overwhelm us really and then it pushes us further down the drain but I believe we've shared a lot of positive, positive things here today and great experiences here that people can relate with and hopefully be able to deal with their pain wherever they are experiencing one. Great. Now is the time of truth. So I'm going to be asking you a few questions and hopefully we'll get to know you better through these questions. So the first one will be, what's your favorite book of all times is?
0: Well, I love books by John Gordon, and he does a lot of leadership books, but it comes from a spiritual perspective. Um, The most recent one I read was The Garden, but I've read The Energy Bus and Training Camp. And so if you've never heard of John Gordon, um, he is great also to follow on Instagram because he has a lot of positive quotes and messaging. And it's just a nice thing to wake up to in the morning and read
1: um, some of his quotes. Great. And what is your favorite song?
0: I love a song called Sparrows by Corey Asbury. I've been listening to it every single day in the morning and it uplifts me and just kind of gets myself ready for the day.
1: Great. And your favorite color? I love teal. I think it's a happy color. Ah, I was expecting pink or, you know, the the women, girly colors. Great, Great, great. I think teal is a beautiful color, really. It is. And your favorite person in the world? Oh boy. Uh, I have a lot of favorites.
0: I love um, my husband more than anything. And um, my children, I just watching them grow up and their personalities. I mean, sometimes it's nice to just spend time individually with them to really dive into what's going on in their little brains. And they just grow so fast. So, I mean, I love my little family here on earth and we have a great time together. Your favorite phrase I find myself saying it this when I'm coaching. I just say, just do it. Kind of like the Nike slogan. And sometimes I think you just have to throw yourself out there and and just do it. Just go do it. You don't have to talk about it. Just do it. Exactly. So finish these sentences. I wish. I wish I had more time to travel. Mm. Nothing in this world can. Um. I've learned nothing can replace Annabelle. Like I've not, I don't need a replacement for my daughter. She's always going to be there um, in heaven for me. Um, but nothing can replace her. And but I can still be happy and have joy despite that. Great. I pray. I pray that my children can grow up and make an, a positive impact on the world.
1: I will love to
0: i would love to do more date nights with my husband i feel like we get so busy and we never get i believe i believe god is always good
1: oh yeah he is good. pain god is good what would be your best advice to our audience
0: i so i'm gonna relate this specifically to if you're going through a hard time yeah you have to Seek out what will help you. You can't just allow it to overwhelm you and take over your spirit. Um, and like I shared earlier, maybe it's fine, like texting a friend you haven't seen in a while and doing coffee, and that might just make your day. And maybe it's working out and um, joining a gym or getting in classes with others. Or maybe it's doing a date night with your husband if it's been a while. Um, spending time with your children, just sitting and watching the sunset, I think that everybody has different things that make them happy. And you just have to find time to pursue those things gradually, not all at the same time in the same day, um, to chip away at the pain and at some of the grief or whatever it is you're going
1: through. That's so brilliant, because um, time just passes by quickly these days. And you want to do something, if you're not careful, you'll never be able to do it. Things like having me time or couples time. You can never do it. So you actually, it has to be deliberate. You make up your mind at this point. we are going to have time for ourselves and then we'll be able to. do I think it's a very good thing. I need time for myself for mm-hmm. over two years straight up stress. I always say that I need time for myself. And even when the children came on holidays, I said this time I was going to get time for myself and I never did. And it keeps going and going and going. I think it has to be You have have to be purposeful with that, like deliberate and say, I'm actually taking time. And then Mm -hmm. that's a good one there. If not for nothing at all, we learned that there is hope on the other side of tragedy. So whatever we are going through, we should just be hopeful and do that is only for a season. And that is also going to pass. It's been a delight having you on podcast with Sheila, Tricia, today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I
1: really enjoyed it. We pray and hope that one of these days we'll be able to bring you back when you have an inspiring story to share with us again.
0: Absolutely.
1: Great. If you've been listening in, this is season two, episode 32 of our podcast series where we've been bringing your way season guests with inspiring real life stories to share with us. Do not miss out on all these lovely experiences. Subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released. We have a video presentation of this episode on our YouTube channel. Just search podcast with Sheila on YouTube and you'll find us. Until we meet again have a break